Welcome to Smokescreen, episode number one, a podcast where we explore misinformation. We're going to talk about sources of misinformation, meandering paths that it follows, where it ends up, and also the social impact of this whole mess. My name is Dent. You can find me on Twitter at Arturo Dentino. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So the first place I'm going to start today is just really kick off and, and talk about why I'm doing this. I observe on a regular basis just serious and constant frustration with what's going on in the media. And there is a really difficult problem, I think, that we have on our hands. It basically, it, it rests around this, this pretty simple idea that we um, do not have a solid source of good information out there any longer. It used to be that there was a problem with centralized news and, and, you know, I think there still is, but it's a lot different now, right? The decentralization, a concept that I generally very interested in of news, however, has allowed some really interesting things to happen. And I, I think probably how this is manifesting recently via fake news where it's kind of turned around on the other side and now, you know, folks are questioning the media, which I think is a really good thing. But this is not so much really about that. What I'm, I'm most interested in talking about and, and really looking critically at is, is how these different sources of information surface, how they're being dissipated, and what the, the impact of them is. Ultimately, the, the purpose here is that, you know, I think that we are in need of some change and we need a new system. We need something we can trust that can get information out there. In order to figure out what that is and, and how we can do it, I want to just rant about the things that are frustrating me. So a lot of the stuff that I'll talk about is going to be related probably to technology and cryptocurrencies and security. These are happen to be topics that, that I spend a lot of time with and know a lot about. Most specifically, I've spent the better part of the last 10 years as a essentially working corporate security jobs. And and so I like to say now that I'm a recovering white hat hacker. I've seen and been on lots of lots of very large networks. Spent a lot of time early on doing uh, malware analysis and things like that. Moved into some different network security log analysis stuff. And finally, some endpoint security to kind of bring it home before I have left recently that uh, the corporate cybersecurity world. Now I spend a lot of time with cryptocurrencies and the reason that I am so frustrated right now is because I see these stories and these articles coming out on a regular basis and there's these these little facts and components that just that aren't accurate, right? And I read that and I say, "Oh, wow, I want to correct them. I, I want to, you know, talk a little bit more about that, but it it's like it, it's nearly impossible. What are you going to do? You, you get in Reddit and you make a comment on a thread and then you know, maybe it goes somewhere, maybe it doesn't, right? It's, it's not that easy to make a nice critical analysis of something, right? Like sometimes people don't take it the right way. So today in my new stage of unemployment, I woke up and I was feeling pretty overwhelmed with all this stuff. Crypto is crashing right now, which anyone who, I, I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. I'm sorry if you're losing copious amounts of money like I am, but uh, it doesn't really matter you know, that money was the way I saw it, the money was never really there to begin with, right? Watching Ethereum break 400 was exhilarating. And at the same time, 
you know, come on guys, it, it wasn't going to stay. But anyways, that's not, that's not really what I want to talk about here. What, what I want to talk about, um, actually the first story I, I want to look at today after kind of feeling, you know, looking at all these different posts in crypto, I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about that specifically in a second. But the, the first thing I want to talk about, I popped open Twitter. I don't really use Twitter that much, but I've been doing some research and you guys should look forward to that. I just bought um, 10,000 followers off the darknet. That's been an interesting adventure. So I'm doing some research and analysis. That, that's underway right now. But it's kind of gotten me into my back into my personal Twitter account, which had been private for a long time. I always felt better about that when I was in the corporate security world, having um, my account private. I just uh, Privacy is important. There, there are a lot of reasons for that. Anyways, I, I've made it public again. I barely have any followers under 100. And I'm looking at my feed and I see this post from a friend of mine and it says, please give your reflection and analysis of this article claiming that new research shows Guccifer 2.0 files were dot, dot, dot. And I have tried to keep a pulse on the whole Guccifer situation. If you're not familiar, this is the dump of emails that came from the DNC hack last fall, fall of 2016. It looks like based on the analysis, it was probably actually about a year ago from this podcast, July-ish. Let me see here if I can get the specific date here. July 5th, 6.45 p.m. Eastern time is when some of the data transactions, some of the forensics analysis kind of sets off that they, these files were copied. Anyways, not going to go into the whole thing of what Goose for 2.0 is, but about a year ago now, right? This stuff was going on. And and so this post, I'm thinking, wow, this is interesting. Okay. A new development. Let me, let me go ahead and read this. And, and this is a friend of mine who posted it. He is also, or he is actually still, I would say, um, corporate white hat guy. And he's an intelligent guy. You know, generally the links he shares are pretty good. So I, I decided to give it a read. Right. And I, I jump in and the first click takes me to a site called disobedient media with the tagline, the truth has no bias. Yeah, decent looking page. Doesn't look too hacked together. It looks like they have a lot of articles. So I start reading, and basically, they right off the bat reference this this document. A new meta analysis has emerged from a document published today. An independent researcher known as the Forensicator, ooh, look at that Forensicator, which suggests that the files eventually published by the Goosefer 2.0 persona were likely initially downloaded by a person with physical access to a computer possibly connected to the internal DNC network. All right, so basically what we're what this research and analysis is saying is that, yeah, maybe, probably what we think is that files were copied locally. They weren't hacked remotely over the internet. Okay, now this, from a technical perspective, can mean a lot of different things. But before I get into that, this is where I want to step back. And I want to just talk a little bit about why, you know, why I feel so compelled to do this podcast and, and why I'm just going to rant and, and I don't really fucking care what anybody thinks or says about it. Like many of my other projects, I have no desire to make money. I have no corporate employer anymore. I'm going to, I'm just going to speak my mind here. So the first thing that is important to me about this is that let's say you're an independent reader, you're an average person, and you stumble across this link, an article, and a friend of yours, it's in network security post. So you start reading it and things kind of sounds kind of interesting, right? Oh, okay, wait, maybe so there, you know, the this the research around this hack is is developing and there's there's a turn. You know, you, you, you kind of following it along. Now, once we get into the technical details, you're gonna be pretty limited. Uh, depending on who you are, unless you're 
Have you done malware research analysis, any kind of reverse engineering before, right? You end up at a point where you're kind of trusting the news source. And so this is where we enter into this, this thing. Like before we had the centralized news sources that supposedly could be trusted. Although, you know, Noam Chomsky and, and folks liked to highlight um, going back a while now that we probably shouldn't have been doing that. Without central news sources, now we're turning to these distributed news sources, and it's nearly impossible to fucking vet this information. How can you, as an individual, look at this and dissect the unzipping techniques of the RAR file? And, okay, so here, I, and this is, I love this because I'm actually positioned to do some of this research and analysis. Now that I quit my job, I have some time to do it. Do I want to spend a couple hours digging into this? Kind of, not really, maybe, right? But the point is, is that it's really, really difficult to get good information now. And, and so that's just kind of highlighting what I see as the problem, misinformation. I, I'm not talking about disinformation. And the distinction that I think is important, I had to look this shit up this morning, but the distinction is that misinformation is false information that is simply wrong, irrespective of whether it's deliberate or accidental, a genuine mistake or criminal incompetence. So disinformation, on the other hand, is going to be where someone intentionally, right? So the difference here and, and why I'm focused on misinformation is because I don't, I'm not looking at this just as, hey, only things that people intentionally are sharing. Disinformation is huge. Disinformation is, I, I mean, right now, post uh, Trump election, um, you know, again, back to the cryptocurrency world, there's an article that I'm going to refer back to a lot. I will link it in show notes about a Green Beret who talked about how he would destroy Bitcoin, um, what techniques he would use based on, you know, his strategies and, and how you know, he'd seen things done before, disinformation, right? So intentionally spreading stuff. But the problem is larger. The bigger problem is also misinformed, right? There are people that are attempting to to share good information, but they don't realize they don't have the ability to vet this information themselves. So that's another part of the problem. And that's a huge part of the problem, if you ask me. But drawing the distinction between the two, that's where it starts to get fun. Right. And, and what we need is a framework or a process for dissecting this stuff. You know, hopefully that that's what we're going to talk about and develop and look into. I'm sure there's tools out there for doing this when I'm, you know, I'm looking into this research today and I'm thinking, man, I need some kind of graph. I need to be able to plug in the tweet. I want to see where it stemmed from, what articles it's linked to. And then we need to get more in depth, right? What we really need to be able to say is, hey, this disobedient media, who's behind this website? How long has it been around? Where I see these systems going and ultimately how we're going to improve this, I believe it's going to be reputation-based. Read into that what you will. I really feel like you know, it's going to be the transition back to finding a middle ground of good non-corporate or decentralized news sources that are genuine and authentic and not sources of disinformation. Yeah. So this is a tough fucking problem to solve. And I think, uh, really, truly, I think it's one of the most, let's see, how do I say this? I think it's one of the largest problems we're facing right now as, as a planet is distribution of truthful information. And I it fucking kills me when I hear Donald Trump talking about 
fake news and how you shouldn't trust the media because I agree with him. Uh, it might be one of the few things I agree with him on. And <laughs> very quickly, I think we diverge here. And, and whereas um, he says that and then may himself leverage or at least his uh, online minions, his trolls and things are well versed in this. And uh, let's get back into Goose for 2.0. Because that's a, I think that's a good segue in because let's dig a little bit deeper in. So she references a document, a document by the Forensicator. So I jumped to the Forensicator. Now, in my, I mean, corporate 10-year experience, to be clear, just under 10 years. But corporate 10 years, I'll say it's easier than saying just under each time. Uh, experience in security. And, and before that, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, tinkering, let's say. Um, and I'd never heard of the Forensicator. That's fine. There's a lot of folks in security now. I haven't heard of them all. But, you know, initially it stands out to me that um, this is not a source that I've seen around for years doing forensic analysis. And I jump to this page. The detailed analysis. Some reviewers have questioned the claims stated in the Goose for 2.0 NGP van metadata analysis report that the .rar file analyzed in this study recorded file times in local relative time uh, in short newer implementations of WinRAR uses version 5. So this is this is getting technical. This is getting heavy quickly. In order to vet that statement, you need to jump to the link that this guy's posted, the Forensicator's posted. Well, guess what? That fucking link goes right to another post that he made. So this is his analysis he's linking to. So I'm starting to see multiple red flags here. Okay, now the, the largest red flag flies very, very quickly here into the article. A 4chan user asserted that the analysis was flawed. And then some stuff. And then a fellow 4chan user corrected the misunderstanding. And then based on this other 4chan user correction, well, you know, now... The, assum or the, the assessment is the very end, given that the RAR files are all in version 4 format, we can safely assume that the file times recorded in those archives are in local relative time, not UTC. So they're looking for evidence that the zip files, the Goose for 2.0 files from the DNC, they're looking for evidence that these files, when which version of WinRAR was used, and uh, based on you know that, the different timestamp formats and things that are released. This is not very clear. It's not very concise. And the biggest fucking red flag is that the Forensicator is looking at 4chan analysis. Guys. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to step back now. So, this was supposed to be, you know... I started this. I've started other podcasts. I plan them out. I think of all these things. I, I just jumped in and started recording this shit because I got to get it off my chest. And maybe it's not going to be um, following all these different formats and circles. I was hoping not to spend too much time on this one. But you know what? I'm just going to keep fucking ranting on this because this is infuriating to me. This is exactly what I've been seeing all over the place. Okay, the Forensicator, it looks professional. Boom, boom, boom. The more I dig into the Forensicator's WordPress blog, all I see is posts related to Goose for 2.0. There's a word that's floating around a lot now called a, a shill. And I hadn't heard the word shill used too often. And then recently it's taken on a lot of momentum. 
Shill, one who poses as a classified customer or enthusiastic gambler to dupe bystanders into participating into a swindle, to act as a shill. Now, this is a term that's popping up a lot more, being used to reference like, hey, there's shills posting, there's this, there's a serious, you know, going on with cryptocurrencies right now and Bitcoin, you have, we're going to get into that in a second, but these shills, right, they build up these personas and they post these relevant looking blogs and forensics analysis. This forensicator has done nothing himself here besides link to a couple, screenshot a couple 4chan posts, and then a couple more screenshots, and oh, there are files in version 4 format, so the timestamp, you know, yada, yada, yada. Okay, now we're going to need to step back out of the forensicator, and one thing that is going to be a reoccurring theme, because it always comes up in this, is that it frustrates the fuck out of me that I'm spending any time talking about this guy, that I'm wasting my time. That little, that, that component there is important to the bigger picture. It's important because it leads back to one of my main points, which is we do not have the time to look in and do the research on all this stuff on our own to vet these sources. I am well-versed in these concepts and techniques, and I look at this and go, what the fuck? All right, now I'm going to go do this. I got to dig up this file. I'm going to have to do this on my own, right? To To the average end user, you look at this, and this looks pretty fucking legit on you know there's big terms getting thrown around it would be hard is all i'm saying to to look at this with the critical eye if you didn't understand forensics and file analysis ah so next what i want to talk about is back to the disobedient media site and this principle of it annoys the fuck out of me that i'm even mentioning this on um, a podcast it annoys the fuck out of me that i'm talking about it spending time thinking about it Right, Because to me, in a sense, this is a huge part of the problem. We know that disinformation campaigns leverage the idea of chaos. There's so much news and so much information. It's chaos. They post this. They post that. You can't keep up. Right? It used to be that when I was critical of media years ago, that I was very pretty much like, look, this is a fucking, this is, yeah, there's some, you know, there's some bias in the media. Um, we know there's political, you know, leanings for CNN, for Fox, all those fuckers, right? We know that. But at the end of the day, it's mostly about money. It's mostly about clickbait themes and money. This is not. This is different. Disobedient media. I don't know, and I haven't had the time to do the research yet on this site, but these guys aren't simply about making money. I think, you know, these cats are funded now. And, and, uh, again, here, I, here, here, look at me doing it. I don't have proof of this. This is just a theory. So now I'm, I'm just like them and I'm leading to the chaos, right? So I'm going to rant about these things. I'm going to give you thoughts and opinions, but ultimately what I hope to do, uh, continue on with this and develop a system that allows us a reproducible processor system for vetting media and information. How many, how long has disobedient media been around? Who are the authors on this website? Do they have legitimate Twitter profiles and these things? Right now, these questions are hard to answer without research. Guess what's coming? Look into a product or uh, something called Uport, decentralized identities based on Ethereum. I don't know if Uport's going to be the one that gets it right or kills it, but I will bet money that 
reputation systems are going to be a key or fundamental property of this next layer of the decentralized internet. And, and so um, I think that we want to apply these systems right here into news media. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to try and figure out how the fuck to do that. But you know, these are the questions that I want to ask about this website. I'm not going to do it. I don't have time right now. What we have is an author. Elizabeth Voss is the author. So let's take a quick look at Elizabeth Voss, who has written this article, referencing some pretty poor research, in my opinion. Let's see. Oh, she's got a, a LinkedIn profile, Facebook coming up. Um, there's her disobedient media. Oh, interesting. That might not be her. Marketing communications. We got a lot of ugh, Hungarian heritage. Okay, so there's a lot of them. Again, here we go again. I, I don't know who... This is, I'm going to have to dig deeper to find out which one of these is the Elizabeth Voss that writes for disobedient media, marketing communications. Uh, that one's an interesting one. Uh, let's, let's see here if we can get one more search. Uh, ne you know, next time I'll pull this shit up ahead of time. I, I apologize. That, that's pointless. I need more time to, to dig into her and, and I, I will follow up on that. I want to do a little bit. I want to, I'll do a follow up on this, but. You see what I'm getting at, hopefully, and that is that vetting this vetting this news on your own is is fucking impossible and time consuming. You look at the tagline for this website. Let's go to the about us. Okay. Successful investigative journalism relies on the ability to adapt to a fast changing media landscape. Agreed. Just 20 years ago, there were only a handful of different platforms to choose from. Today, not only are there virtually unlimited media outlets, but primary sources of information previously monopolized by mainstream media are available to anyone with an internet connection. It sounds so, so fucking uh, rebellious and pioneering. The public is now able to question mainstream media's interpretation of the facts by comparing them to the very sources it originated from. Widespread distrust in the press has culminated and opened the door for a new era in investigative journalism. We are disobedient media. And we do poor fact-checking. Now, I added that last part. But it's crazy because the taglines and what they're saying, I agree with. Right? And it, and But here's the thing. This is fucking 10 years ago. The public is now able to to question mainstream media's interpretation of the facts by comparing them to the very sources that originated from, that's been going on for a long time. That is not new, right? So these guys are fucking behind it. They're riding the wave way back. Widespread distrust in the press has culminated and opened the door for a new era in investigative journalism. Oh, God, it's ugly. It's ugly out there, people. It's really fucking ugly. So, yeah, maybe... You know, you, you do an assessment of disobedient media, blah, 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 blah. You go and you dig in, you find out who they're funded by, all these things. And you're going you're gonna to get some answers. And what you're going to see, mark my fucking words, is that it's the same bullshit as with the, 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 the same shit they're talking about is the exact same bullshit they're pushing. I, I feel confident that William Craddock Ethan Lyle, Elizabeth Voss, and Kenneth White, the staff writers, editor-in-chief, and founders, yada, yada, yada. William Craddock be the uh, editor-in-chief, founder, managing director, Ethan Lyle. These guys 
aren't doing this because they value investigative journalism and they just want to get the truth out. They're, it's the same fucking bias, guys. Now they're hiding behind the fact that anyone can listen in or I'm sorry, that anyone can make media and do the fact checking. That is in their core about us bio is to question it and comparing them to the very source it originated from. The very source that your article quoted is fucking 4chan, is a post on 4chan. So, yeah, well, next. Yeah, crypto world. Rough day for crypto. Rough couple days. Anyone who didn't see it coming is blind, probably blinded by the moon. But, oh man, it is getting fucking tricky. It is getting hairy out there. If you are a crypto trader, if you are I anybody involved in the fucking space, if you're a developer, if you're actually building something useful, man, it is a war zone out there. The disinformation campaigns that are occurring right now in respect to cryptocurrencies should not be fucking overlooked. Okay? And, and here's why I say that. Right now... The cryptocurrency markets are exploding. 10 million. We're down 10 million. 10, sorry, the market cap is down 10 billion in the last two days. Yada, 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 right? It's up. It's down. People are getting rich. People are, are going broke. And it's the cutting edge of, you know, the newest rage technologies, right? Ah, uh, the blockchain. Ooh. All these fancy, amazing things that are promising to change the world, right? I just got to say, yeah. I do happen to believe a lot of that stuff, but uh, but Jesus, it is it is a fucking mess right now. These scams are building completely heightened tax. It is the most, you know, if you're a scammer, you're fucking playing with crypto right now. You're you know you're posting a fake ICO and, and collecting on that. This the crypto article story title for today that I'm going to talk about. I noticed. In the last, I don't know, 10 hours, uh, two different subreddits that I follow, EthTrader and r slash Ethereum, just riddled with these, watch out, it's a scam posts, watch out, it's a scam, there's more phishing sites on the loose, and they're getting these upvotes, and I'm like, guys, this this is really frustrating to me because, uh, it fucking drives me nuts, is, is to be honest, yeah, there are fucking hundreds of phishing sites out there for crypto. Like, come on. It, you can't... It, without regulation, without auditing, with, with a bunch of new users that don't have a really solid understanding of security fundamentals, fuckers, yeah, they're going to come after your coin, guys. And... But... Here's the thing. I'm going to step back a few days now. There was a there was a link posted on r slash Ethereum that was around, guys, oh, the scammers and the fishers, this guy just made $300,000. Look, we, got, we created this browser plugin to check the sites, to, to track, you know, a blacklist of scam sites. And this fucking post is upvoted to all kinds. And it makes my fucking head want to explode. I, I want to... I want to grab r slash Ethereum by its fucking shoulders and shake it. Like, guys, there are so many fucking things wrong with this that I don't even know where to begin. 
browser plugins. Did you audit the source? We're back to the same root fucking problem here. You don't know how to audit the source code for that browser plugin. Don't fucking install it if it has to do with crypto. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to be a dick, and I don't want to fucking say that. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe you shouldn't fucking be in this space because that's not right. And we need crypto to grow, and we need users. <sighs> okay, the next thing that's wrong with the fucking browser plugin. <clears throat> whitelisting, blacklisting, guys, I I left malware research in 2011, I can't even remember, 2011, 2010, I left the antivirus industry, one of the techniques commonly used by the antivirus industry was whitelisting, blacklisting, ah, here's a website distributing malicious files, we're going to blacklist that URL, tricky right oh very very cutting edge now 10 years ago we did it and it worked to some degree but the, the fucking writing was on the wall we knew it wasn't going to work forever and we knew it was a flawed system but we didn't have it, it was what we could do with what we had at the time 10 years fucking later there's a browser plug-in white blacklisting phishing sites Ah, oh, God, I just want to fucking, I want to scream is what I really want to do. I want to fucking yell for hours about how are we still in this fucking predicament? And now that was a couple days ago, the, uh, Ooh, fancy browser plugin, getting all these upvotes. And then next on the list comes this wave of watch out. It's a scam. Don't click this link. Don't go to this site. Let me fucking tell you a little bit about how these scammers think, guys. I am going to create a phishing URL to phish your, your MyEther wallet. And I am going to create a post that says it's a phishing URL. And then, oh, you ready? I'm going to go to the dark net. I've been exploring these dark net bots. I can't wait to get into that in some subsequent fucking episodes. But I'm going to go to the dark net and I'm going to buy promotion. That's right. To promote the link that says I'm a scammer. You heard it correctly. Now, how does that make any fucking sense? Here's why. It's because someone's still going to click on the fucking link. It's going to go into their browser Ah, I'm smart enough not to load it up. I'm not clicking that. Then they're going to close their browser and they're going to forget about it. And a couple days later, their browser is going to autocomplete the URL for them to the fucking link. Yeah, right. Now here we enter into an interesting predicament. What are the fucking moderators of r slash Ethereum supposed to do? r slash ETH trader, guys. You have a tough fucking job, and I do not envy you. How in the fuck do you filter this content? Oh, you shouldn't be filtering anything. Let's have a war like RBTC and fucking our Bitcoin. Oh, let's, you know, who can we trust? This is, I'm going to focus on crypto a lot because it's what I know about. It's the space I'm in. But I also think that it is one of the most Fascinating and lucrative sources of misinformation right now. Not just disinformation, misinformation. 
some of those posts where people are going, this is a scam site. Don't, don't click this phishing link. I'm not going to put the real URL, but I'm going to show you what it is right here. You know, some of those are real. Those are legitimately people that got fished or discovered a phishing site and yeah, they want to share that with you. They're trying to do a good thing. Others, the opposite. How the fuck can you tell the difference? Reputation. I think that's where this is all going, guys. We'll see. We will see. Final thing I'm going to talk about. There's one other thing. I, I know somehow my two, three minute segments turned into 40 minutes. That's fine. Ethereum is under social attack. R slash Ethereum. I was happy to see this post amidst the sea of posts that were obviously not, you know, that, let's just say they were not. It wasn't obvious. They were confusing and chaotic. It fucking frustrates me because even as by what most people's standards would consider me an expert in security, even at that level, I have no fucking clue. And I don't have the time to vet every one of the fucking links and go through and see, oh, who posted this, right? How long have they had a Reddit account? What, you know? Anyways, Ethereum is under social attack, posted by user Max Flyer. Four people already confirmed my work, he writes. The Facebook Ethereum group, counting 50,000 people, although it says 50.000, so technically that's... 50 people, but maybe meant to comma, is now in the hands of BTC maximalist admins. Woo! They are filtering valuable content and let you post only FUD. Ethereum is the target of an organized attack in order to convince the people to sell, and it is working. Ding, 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 ding. This is something I can get on board with. Yes. Now, it's happening, guys. Like the Green Beret said about how he would destroy Bitcoin. Like the KGB, the former KGB agent, talked about Russian disinformation campaigns. This is going on full effect right now in cryptocurrencies. It is, you you have it coming from every fucking angle, every, whew, man, it is, uh, it's furious. Now, what are we going to do? This guy's done some research. Um, he's made the claim that this Facebook group is under, uh, what did he say? Ownership, under control of BTC maximalists. What the fuck is a BTC maximalist? Well, a BTC maximalist is a Bitcoin enthusiast and evangelicalist. Fuck that one up. Um Right, it's it's somebody who thinks that Bitcoin is the one and only, and all these other altcoins are stupid and serve no purpose. Um, you want to read into that? You know how you fucking read into it? A BTC maximalist is someone who holds a lot of Bitcoin and is really pissed off watching Ethereum quadruple in price. Mark my words. No true technology head out there. No true believer in distributed computing, decentralized mechanisms, nobody who believes in any of those things is going to be a fucking Bitcoin maximalist. 
You might like Bitcoin. You might prefer it. You might not be interested in the other ones, and that's fucking fine. But you're probably also not the guy that's out there uh, waging this war against other alts. Well, if you're not a BTC holder and you know trying to pump your coin from a maximalist perspective, well, guess what? Now we got to look at who else out there wants to see these other coins fall. And, and this is what I'm, this is the fucking point of this whole thing, guys. Misinformation. It's spreading rapidly. Below it, disinformation. And, you know, oh, man. <sighs> I'm going to sign out. This has been the Smokescreen Podcast. Yeah, come back, check out the next one. Every single day that I wake up, I'm going to be able to find another fucking story that drives me nuts, and I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to do better next time. I just needed to um, get this out today. I wanted to just to run with it. I didn't want to overplan it. I have a tendency to over-engineer things, so I just plugged a bunch of shit in, set everything up, and ran with it. I'm just gonna going to put this out there. Yeah, get in touch with me. Y'all know where to find me, Arturo Dentino on Twitter. Signing out. Talk to you next time, people.